given me and, and blessed me with and taking my talents and, and trying to glorify him through through uh, my passions and my talents. Because so. we need Christians whose faith is alive right now. God doesn't ask for anything in return from us. He just wants us to trust him and believe that, you know, he is the Almighty and sent his son Jesus here down the cross to forgive us of our sins. I'd rather share a Bible verse on Sunday morning with an audience of 100 than just try to sell products and not make any difference at all to an audience of a million. And then it's like, well, that's settled. Let's go. <laughs> we sit back and we, we develop this envious jealousy inside of us because somebody else is living the life that we want while we sit down and don't do anything about it. Get out. Go enjoy it. And then, of course, you know, you and I would say, get in the woods! What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rice Lee Podcast. This is Tyler Pruitt. I am the host and the founder of this show. And I just want to, first of all, thank you guys for choosing the Rice Lee Podcast today. The goal of the show is to be a resource for people that love God, freedom, and the great outdoors. It's really my job as the host and the founder to come up with content that you guys are going to enjoy, that you guys are going to be able to interact with, and that, that you guys are really going to be able to be enriched from. So I want this show to be a blessing for you guys that are listening to this. So thank you all. Those of you guys that continue to come back, I appreciate it. And if this is your first time, then, of course, thank you for taking a risk and listening to the Rise of the Week podcast today. If you haven't connected with me on social media, then go ahead and do that. You can find me on Instagram at the handle at Rice Kill Eat. So that's all lowercase, all together. That's on Instagram. And then on Facebook, you can find me at facebook.com slash rke a field okay so rke as in rice elite a field all right so make sure that you guys connect with me on social media regardless of where you are listening to this podcast and what platform you're using i just want to let you guys know that the rice elite podcast is available on all types of platforms and all types of media uh, of course you can listen to it on apple podcast google podcast uh, spotify uh, we're now newly as of just a few weeks ago on iHeartRadio, uh, you can listen to full episodes on YouTube. And we just basically take the, the audio from the podcast and put it into a video form. And people can listen to it on YouTube. You can subscribe there. Uh, you can also listen to it on Facebook. If you are following us on Facebook, then whenever on the same day that these episodes post, which is typically on Wednesdays, I'll post the, the video form of the episode on Facebook as well. So it's an easy way for you guys to share it with people that, especially if you're already connected with the Rice Kelly podcast on Facebook, you can literally share that file. You can literally share that post, the video to your friends on Facebook and help us get those views and help us get those downloads and the, the interactions up. So that'd be greatly appreciated. So make sure you guys connect with me on social media. As many of you guys have already seen based on the title of this episode today. I am joined by John Eldridge, and it's an absolute pleasure and an honor to be able to have him on the Rice Kelly podcast. Just to kind of give you a little backstory on being able to set up this interview with John, because he's a very busy guy. He does a lot of podcasts. Um, he's a guest on a lot of shows. He does his own podcast. He's got, of course, his writings and interviews and everything for his book. So this has been a interview that has been on my list, and I've been kind of working on for actually actually probably a little over a year now. So it's probably right around that time. And um, I talked to his assistant last year to try to get an interview set up as the fall was kind of approaching. Uh, he was in the middle of a sabbatical. He was taking some time off to just kind of reconnect and kind of take a step away from work and everything. So, and then of course, at the time, the Rice Kelly podcast was kind of doing the same thing right around that same time. So um, this has been something that has been more aggressively in the works since this spring so this one has been on the docket for a while and uh it's definitely a privilege of mine to have him on the show for those of you guys that don't know john eldridge he's an award-winning author of the book wild at heart he's also written books like fathered by god beautiful outlaw and then of course his newest book get your life back these are all books that we discuss and we kind of get into some of the details as far as what these books talk about in today's episode with John. So 
In addition to that, we of course get into being able to develop a relationship with God and being able to find ways that we can relate and have that relationship with Jesus. And it's, it was very spiritually invigorating for me to be able to talk with John and be able to bounce my ideas off of him. Of course, we discuss raising a son to be a man. And that's something that John, he, he really gets into, especially in his book, Wild at Heart, about the true nature true nature of, of men and true nature of boys just to be adventurous and to get out and experience adventure. I mean, and to, to have that bot, battle to fight, the adventure to live and the beauty to rescue, which have, those are familiar words if you've read Wild at Heart. So without further ado, I'm just going to let the interview kind of speak for itself. Today I'm joined with John Eldridge. So I know you guys are really going to enjoy this one. So sit back and enjoy episode number 58 of the Rise Elite Podcast. All right, we'll go ahead and get started here. So I have the honor and the privilege of sitting here with John Eldridge, one of my all-time favorite authors, and I appreciate you being on the Rise Elite Podcast with me, John. Oh, thanks, Tyler. I'm looking forward to it. This is, you are right in my sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, I've had you on my list for a, a really long time, and I'm glad that we were able to kind of get this worked out because, uh, I mean, all the work that you've done as far as your your writing and stuff goes, it goes right along with the mission and the goal of of the show, and that's that's of course why I needed to to reach out to you and to have you on. Thank you. Thanks so much, Tyler. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. So uh, it's it's actually kind of interesting that everything kind of laid out this way. As um, uh, recently, I talked with Joe Goche of Revelation Outdoors. He's got a waterfowl ministry down in Louisiana. They use oh, a lot of nice. Ural's, yeah. So they use a lot of Ural stuff um, down there. The Wild at Heart series. They use a lot of the the study stuff. And we were actually this episode is going to post right after his. So it's going to be all the listeners of the Rascally podcast. They're going to kind of get a double dose of you because we mentioned you and a lot of your work with wild at heart on that episode. We talked about it quite a bit and we mentioned beautiful outlaw. And, um, so listeners of the Rascally podcast, they're going to get a, a double dose of John Eldridge here. So did you ever think that your work with wild at heart was going to, going to have the, the impact that it's had over, I guess, almost going on two decades at this point? No idea. <clears throat> no idea. I, I, um, you know, it started out, Tyler, I was just a counselor, uh, a therapist in private practice. And I was doing a lot of work with men, uh, really enjoying it. I did, I did couples, I did uh, women, you know, I would see women as well. But my favorite work was with men. And, and uh, I wrote while at heart really out of my personal experience, my experience raising sons, and then my experience as a counselor working with guys. And I knew that it was true. I knew that it was, you know, the treasure buried in the field, but I had no idea that this would go as far as it's gone and, and help as many people as it's helped. It's uh, gosh, it's just an awesome story. Yeah, it really is. And it, it's crazy to, to kind of sit back and see, you know, the, still the impact 20 years later that like there's still churches that are using your like, especially men's groups that are using, you know, specifically Wild at Heart, but really a lot of your stuff. And then, you know, like, like we mentioned, Joe Goche with Revelation Outdoors earlier, like their whole uh, musters that they have when they have bring some guys together to go out and duck hunt. Like that's a lot of what they discuss is is your book and, um, you know, discussing the, the truths that you put into Wild at Heart and, you know, how difficult was it for you, you know, I guess to dive real deep into, into you personally, how difficult was it to kind of pull that kind of stuff out in order to put it on paper so that people like me, you know, over in Kentucky, 20 years later can, uh, can read it. Well, um, you have to live it before you teach it, you know, uh, otherwise you're just, you're just filling the world with more ideas. Um, and I don't like that. It's just not my personal vibe. I don't like to teach things that I haven't first lived out in my own life. So while at heart was a long time in birthing, actually, uh, you know, in my 30s, 20s and 30s, you know, just life as a young man and young marriage, young kids, young career, getting things figured out. 
spending a lot of time in the woods, um, working my grandfather's cattle ranch, just different pieces of my story. I needed to live it out. And I needed a lot of healing first, you know, growing up in an alcoholic home and and having a pretty big father wound. I had a lot of anger and a lot of things to sort out for myself first. And and because of that, because I, I did, I, you know, I, I took the journey um, and, and I just was the guy that wanted his heart back and wanted a wholehearted life. I wanted to be a wholehearted man, not a partially hearted man. Um, when it finally came time to put down Wild at Heart on paper, it actually happened extraordinarily fast. But that's that's unusual for a writer. That's unusual for the writing process. It was just because this was so core to my journey for for many, many years. Yeah, so why do you think it's had such that kind of impact? Why do you think it's so important that, that men, they kind of, they have to, to recognize and they have to, like you were saying, they have to recapture, they have to recapture that whole heart. I mean, why is that so important for us as, as men? Well, part of it is because you and I are living at the end of a really huge train wreck. Mm -hmm. I mean, just a, a catastrophic social Chernobyl. And, and it, it actually goes back, to the industrial revolution and then world war one and two and you know what that did to our grandfathers and our fathers and then the vietnam era like what what we've seen is the collapse of fatherhood and and at the same time and and, and it makes sense also the collapse of male community where boys are initiated into men and so you know at this late hour you know, good grief. Gender isn't even a thing anymore. Like people don't, people don't think gender is real. Um, and so we're living at the end of this, this tragic Chernobyl socially that has left a lot of guys with a lot of questions, just saying, what the heck, man? Like, I know I'm, I know I'm a man. I want to be a man, but how, how do you find that? How do you live and so Wild at Heart was one of the books, it was one of the messages that came, you know, talk about a word in season. I mean, it was just, it hit a cultural moment where the need for fathering, the need for direction, the need for an initiation path was probably, you know, there's just never been a vacuum like this before. And so it, it, you know, there's it, it, it's and it, it, it's not like we passed that. You know, it got worse. It's getting better, by the way. Um, yeah. There's a phenomenon. You know, you mentioned the guys that are doing the, you know, the gathers, the musters, and and the duck hunts. Like, there's so many great stories uh, of men who really are recovering masculinity and recovering the initiation journey and recovering. I think what I would call is just a culture of masculinity and, and a warrior culture, like there's really good news, uh, but it's way down in the weeds. It's local, it's grassroots. It's not what you see in the headlines In the headlines right now. And culturally we're still in the, in the fallout of that yeah. cultural collapse. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to turn on the news or it's hard to get on any form of social media. That, that may be the worst idea, but <laughs> it's hard to, you know, have any kind of connect with culture without seeing a lot of what you just mentioned. Like even now, like, of course this was true. I mean, 15, 20 years ago, whenever you, you wrote this book out and kind of like what you're saying with the, with the culture, it's, it's almost magnified now because everybody's got that, that ability to be able to, to interact with it, to connect with, to see the images and to see everything. And like you were saying, like, like at this point, you know, that there's, there's groups of people that are pushing that, that gender is not even a thing. Like it's, it's a, the fact that we're even arguing about that is, is absolutely insane. And I mean, it's just, it's difficult from, you know, from 
I guess not difficult, but I guess complex from somebody in our position that is considered to be, to be masculine and to be, you know, Christian, white Christian males, you know, in a, in a society right now where, uh, you know, those quote unquote type people, those stereotype people, they're trying to shut that message down. I mean, it's just, it's kind of what it seems like, at least from, from my, my perspective and, you know, and, uh, seeing that kind of stuff and seeing those truths play out that you discussed, of course, in wild at heart. I mean, it's just, it's, it's incredible. It's insane to, to kind of see that. Yeah. But here's the good news. Um, it's only because they have the megaphone. Yeah. Um, honestly, the, the, the actual percentile, uh, of people who hold, you know, hardcore to that worldview is, is actually pretty small. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the average guy is just looking for help. He's just, he's just looking for some direction. And there is this, as I said before, there is this phenomenal grassroots movement of guys just like you, right? Like you, you got it on your heart, start a podcast, and provide good content and good direction and just some clarity uh, and some encouragement for guys like this is a, what we're doing right now. This is an, an mm-hmm. example of this grassroots movement out there. So it's really wild that at, at the same moment that, that, you know, our cultural leaders are, are spinning off into outer space at the same moment, there's really, really good stuff going on in a lot of communities for men, I get, you know, I, I, I just have a unique vantage point to that. I, you know, cause we, we connect with an awful lot of guys around the world now and we, we yeah. hear the stories, we see it. So I, I'm, I'm here to bring a little bit of good news to Absolutely. your listeners. Absolutely. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of male uh, men, men getting together for community, uh, for getting in the outdoors, for getting their hearts back, for learning what it means to be a good dad, mm-hmm. um, despite the fact that the world's blowing up. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of uh, visualize it like if you're standing in a crowd of people and you have three people screaming, you know, over off to your right, everybody's focus is going to kind of focus on those three people. And really, like, it may seem like chaos. But in reality, you just have a, a, a localized group over there just kind of making noise and everybody's attention is kind of looking at them. But yep. I mean, of course, you have a you have a crowd of people that that aren't participating in that. And that's that's the way I kind of <laughs> help myself kind of kind of cope with what's going on right now is that you have people with these megaphones like you were saying. But the good news is we have podcasts like these and we have podcasts like your own and then, you know, books that are being published by yourself and some other people that are uh you know, bringing light to these situations and really showing us how to kind of recapture that masculine spirit and re- recapture it in a way <clears throat> that is, of course, going to going to honor honor God. So, like, how does somebody how does somebody go about getting that process started? If let's say that there's somebody hypothetically listening to this and they're like, you know, I I haven't been the father that I need to be. I haven't been the husband that I need to be. I haven't been the follower of Jesus that I need need to be. So how does somebody kind of get that, that wheel kind of rolling that way they can kind of get it going a little bit? Yeah. Well, keep listening to your podcast for one. Um, (laughs) it, I'd say rewild at heart. Um, it's a, it's really going to be helpful. It's going to provide a lot of clarity. Uh, Gordon Dalby's book, the healing of the masculine soul, really great book. Uh, new book out by a friend of mine, Morgan Snyder, Becoming a King. Yeah. Uh, really good book. Like there's some good reads out there. Get a, get a good book like that because um, it'll get you started. And, and then find a group of guys like that muster. Find a group of guys that, that are doing it, that really want um, the real deal, that they want um, – a masculine wholeheartedness that connects deeply with their life with God. And and if that's not going on where you are, if that's not going on in your church, go find it. Um, Because you do need some guys to help you in your journey. You know, this this is a pretty tough time to live alone as a man. And and partly because then you think that the people with the megaphone are the only people out there. Um, but if you have some guys in your life 
oh man, what a difference it makes. Yeah, it definitely does. It definitely does. And, and one of the other points that you mentioned, of course, in, um, excuse me, in wild at heart was, uh, one of the general themes was that you had that men have a battle to fight an adventure to live and a beauty to rescue. Like whenever I came across those words and as I was kind of going through, working through those chapters and through those sections, like every, it seemed like every part of it was true for me. You know, of course me being married and having a daughter, like the whole beauty to rescue thing is, is what really kind of hit hard with me. And, you know, the whole adventure thing. And of course, most people that are listening, listening to this, they are likely hunters or at least interested in hunting or at least at the very least outdoorsmen. So, I mean, how do we kind of implement those three, I guess, topics, those three uh, domains into a life that we've kind of, kind of laid the foundation here for? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, here's the thing about the outdoors. Let's use it as the context for um, masculine initiation Mm -hmm. that in a world that is primarily digital now. And, and my world is like, here's how crazy it is. I'm the guy that wrote the book, but, (laughs) but my life is really digital. You know, I've got the iPhone, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on email. I, you know, I, I, We're talking, you know, through the internet right now from talking you know, through four the or five right states now. over right now. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah, but that's not that it, that does not nourish the masculine soul. The outdoors nourishes the masculine soul, and and we go out there because it nourishes us. We go out there, frankly, to be honest, because it heals us. Uh, the world that we live in right now is actually pretty traumatizing. Uh, the news we get, the heartache, you know, just the, it can make you pretty mad. And, mm-hmm. and to get outdoors first, I think, is to find a very healing experience. And But then the outdoors also, like you take up anything, anything, you know, whether it's, it's elk hunting, you know, deer hunting, duck hunting, you take up fishing, you take up mountain biking, you take up trail running, just anything out, canoeing. What happens pretty quickly is that you enter into initiation experiences because the outdoors also tests us. Mm-hmm. And, and it's part of why we love it. it we, it's why, guys, we fear it uh, because we don't know that we have what it takes. But we also love it because, um, you know, as Savon Chenard's one of his favorite famous quotes is adventure starts when everything goes wrong. Um, and so, you know, I drew a phenomenal elk tag in Colorado this year down in the San Juan mountains. And this was going to be, it's a trophy unit. You know, it's the kind of place where you're not going to probably see any other hunters and you're going to get into really, really big bulls and, and right in the middle of the rut. So we were, we were on this epic hunt, you know, frankly of a lifetime when a snowstorm hit early September. Yeah. Freak snowstorm. Three days in Colorado. We got a foot of snow in the high country. And and the trip changed. And it went from fun to something much more high level. And and I'm not gonna like over dramatize it. It wasn't like our lives were in danger. We had food, we had shelter, we had water, you know, we know we know how to fend for ourselves. But <clears throat> it was freezing. And and the nights were really cold and trying to hunt in a foot of snow in September when, you know, that's January hunting conditions, right? That's <laughs> right. late rifle season. And so um, what I'm saying is those kinds of stories, they call us out, they shape us, they, they develop things in us as men. And so um, there's, you know, we go, we go to the outdoors for healing. We go for peace, for peace of mind, um, just to get out of the crazy. But, but it also shapes us as men and, and to embrace that and say, yes, I'm actually looking for that. I don't always need things to go easy and well. I don't need to get my limit. I don't need to bag out. I, you know, I, I want to be shaped. That's very, very good 
in a world where most men are just living in a digital space. Yeah. Yeah. Looking for that adventure and looking for that challenge is it's definitely, definitely necessary. as far as that masculine initiation goes, as like what you were mentioning in there. And, and I think with hunters specifically, you know, kind of mentioned in your elk hunt again, is I think that, you know, we kind of have a, a weird fascination with, I guess what I would call miserable fun, right? <laughs> where we want to get out, <laughs> we want to get out and we want to, yeah. you know, experience those adventures, like what you're mentioning, where, you know, we're maybe snowed in, or we may be, uh, I don't know, eight miles back into the mountain range and, you know, no cell phone service or something. We, we desire for those. And even if we don't, even if we aren't necessarily going for those specific things, when they do occur, like there's something that comes out of us that you can't get by staring at your iPhone, like what you were mentioning. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. a, a certain amount of, yeah. of miserable yeah. fun that we need. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so now let me connect it back. Um, Cause I didn't actually answer the question you asked, but I wanted to talk about the power of the outdoors to initiate us. So yeah. um, let me circle back now. So there's different kinds of adventure um, and there's casual adventure you know, it's the, it's the quick run. It's the bike trip. It's, it's, uh, going out, you know, fishing on a Saturday morning. There's casual adventure going, you know, golfing, uh, mm -hmm. and, and it nourishes us and it's good and everybody needs, you need it. Um, and everybody's got his own flavor on that, but then it starts getting higher into, into more meaningful levels of adventure. And, and what I try and write about in wild at heart is we're, you know, we're not just here to play we're actually here to make a difference. And you were talking about your daughter, like, you know, the adventure goes way, way up when yeah. other people's hearts are involved. You know, mm -hmm. when this is about a wife, a child, when this is about your career, when this is about your calling, there are higher levels of adventure. Uh, in, and a lot of people got a real mis misimpression of Wild at Heart when it first came out. They're like, oh, this is about, you know, racing motorcycles and, and you know, drinking oil. And it's like, right. no, 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 <laughs> right. no. Uh, I do love motorcycles, but, um, but I, don't, I actually don't ride anymore because I've just had too many crashes. But, um, <laughs> but there's a, it's not just about playing. And so let me talk about a battle to fight. Um, because you see this in boys, this is so critical. Mm -hmm. The warrior. Yeah, I've got a part. son too. Yeah. Okay. How old is he? Yeah. He is six going on seven. Oh, okay. You're living at great age. You're, you are living it. Right. So oh, he yeah. wants to be Spider-Man. He wants mm -hmm. to be, a, he wants to be a Jedi Knight. He wants to be the hero and, and they want to wrestle and they want to blow stuff up. And, yeah. and it's, there's a warrior heart in every man. Um, it, it's because you are made to be a warrior. And when you become an adult, when you grow up into manhood, that warrior heart is so critical to your life because everything meaningful in your life, you're going to have to fight for it. You, you have to fight for your career. You have to fight for a family if you have one. You have to fight for friendship. You have to fight for your health, like literally everything. And, and that's why God gave... He gave those little boys, those warrior hearts, you know, they want to play, you know, Nerf guns and dart wars and paintball right. and all that. Well, well, that is really crucial. That's in the world won't tell you this. So I'm here to tell you this. You have a warrior heart and that warrior heart is really central to how you're created in the image of God and the recovery of the warrior and the training of the warrior is absolutely critical to a man's journey. 100%. I can definitely see that, you know, I just going throughout the day, just on a daily basis with my, my son. And, uh, we were actually in the hunting blind last night and just the excitement that he had, you know, preparing for it. We were out, you know, doing some throughout this week, getting ready for because our crossbow season started here in Kentucky for oh, white sales. Right so we were working on getting him set up on a, on a deer. It didn't happen last night, but we're going to continue on. But, uh, <laughs> it, uh, but you know, just seeing, going back to that warrior heart, I mean, you just see it, you see it happen. You see, you know, and there was a specific experience 
on Thursday. It's actually kind of funny how this happened. I just made the connection is that um, on <clears throat> Thursday, we were out doing some target practice with the crossbow and he was getting frustrated because he, the, the trigger was too heavy for him to pull. So he was kind of getting a little frustrated with it. And, you know, I kind of kept at him a little bit, you know, keep trying, we can try it with this grip. And, um, you know, the first thing that came up to my mind was uh, in your book, Wild at Heart was answering that core question of, do I have what it takes? And, you know, whenever he was finally able to get that trigger pulled and I could just, his face lit up and like he, he ran over to the target to see where the bolt had landed. And, um, you know, let's just think it's that, that whole warrior heart, that whole battle to fight and, and everything. It's just, it's so true regardless of age. Like I'm 28 years old. I can feel it in myself and then I can watch it in my six-year-old son. Yes, and yes. It's, it's just, it's incredible <clears throat> to kind of see those connections. Okay. So let's underscore that for a second. Um, that question, do I have what it takes? You see it in every boy's life. You know, can I climb the tree? Can I race my bike? Can I keep up with the other kids? Can I win the race? You know, and he, he, he learns to ride his bike and then he, and then he wants to ride it with no hands. And he went, you know, he's like, hey, dad, look, no hands. Right. Or, you know, he's on the trampoline and he learns to do flips. He's like, hey, dad, look, I knew backflip. Like right. he is looking to his father for the affirmation. You have what it takes. It's the core question of every man's life. And the search for validation is probably the most compelling search in a man's life in both directions. He will gravitate to the places where he feels validated as a man, and he will stay away from anything that feels like it will expose him that he's not a man. Mm -hmm. You know, so the guy, the guys who don't like the outdoors, and there's probably very few of them that listen to your podcast, but most of their, most of their, you know, when I talk to those guys, it's because they don't know that they don't know what to do out there. Nobody showed them. Yeah. You know, nobody, nobody took them out and, and trained them and, and showed them how much joy there is. They don't know that they have what it takes. Or <clears throat> you take a guy who's great in the outdoors and, you know, maybe he's a phenomenal hunter, but he doesn't know how to talk to his 16 year old daughter. And, yeah. and so he's scared there and, and he stays away from hard conversations because he doesn't know that he has what it takes. So that, that need to get that question answered and that, you know, the design of God in a masculine initiation was the father would teach the son, you have what it takes. And he would train him and he would bring him into a bunch of experiences. And what was so important about the crossbow story with your son is you didn't say to him, that's okay. I'll pull the trigger for you. Yeah. Right. You yeah. stayed with you. Yeah. You stayed with him until he was able to do it. And in the journey was meant to be like that. It was meant to be that, you know, from six years old, to eight years old, to 15 years old to 19 years old, we were in experiences that we were discovering and learning. We have what it takes. And most guys are pretty wounded there. They, they didn't have that fathering. They didn't have those good experiences. And so we, what we become, we shape a pose. We become posers. And, and we try and fake it when we're in the company of men or we fake it at church or we fake it, you know, at work. But deep inside, that need is still there. And what's so powerful about the Christian gospel is that God comes to us as Father, mm -hmm. not just as not just as God. He comes as Father, and the Father who can still speak into our life. He can take over where where we didn't get what we needed, and He can speak into us. I'm proud of you. You have what it takes, and and the validation that every man needs. You know, it's what Jesus gets at his baptism. You know, yeah. the bat baptism of Christ, the Father says, I love you, and you have what it takes. Yeah, exactly. I actually, as we were kind of getting into this part, I opened my, 
my Bible up to Matthew 3, it's verse 17, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And it's exactly that same thing that you just, just kind of got out there is that like, if Jesus needs, or if Jesus has that moment where his father is telling him, you know, you are my son, you've got what it takes, I'm proud of you, I love you. If Jesus needs that, then we certainly, <laughs> on the, yeah. we certainly need that. Like, you know, that if that's something that Jesus is experiencing, then that's something that we, of course, are need to experience from our earthly father. And then, of course, from our heavenly father. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> several times in the New Testament, God says, I will be a father to you and you mm -hmm. will be my sons. And. So wherever you are in your journey, you know, if you're 16 or 68, like we still have a father who wants to initiate us as sons. And, and, you know, so when the snowstorm hits now, my ideal hunt, you know, my hunt of a lifetime, the first thing I'm pissed, right? Yeah. I'm like, come on, God, where are you? You know? Uh, yep. But then I realized, oh, oh, hang on, you are in this, and and you are fathering me, and you are, and my son was with me, <clears throat> my twenty nine year old son was with me, and and to do that together, to watch him in the woods, to handle the weather together. At one point, we are up, we're at twelve thousand feet, and we're still hunting because this is the week, right? We, it's not like we can, you know. Go, well, we'll just come back next time. You know, it's, right. It's, it's, <laughs> right. the way the tag system works in Colorado is I burned all those elk points. Like, that's it. And so we're out in the snow. We're hunting. At one point, we are almost going into hypothermia. So we build a fire just to get warm during the day. And But I didn't do it. He did it. Mm -hmm. My son did it. And, and to watch him do it, to watch him know that he has what it takes to be under the delight of his father. And, and, and his father, God, like, oh, man, that's the real stuff to know that your heavenly father loves you. He delights in you. He is immensely proud of you. There's just nothing like it. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. And it's it's crazy how it takes a lot of times it takes those situations where you have, you know, those adventures to live out to where you can finally see it. Because, you know, kind of going back to what we were mentioning before in our everyday soft cushy life i guess you know you don't really have those types of encounters with god where you have this full reliance and you you can really see him working through a situation like you would like in a situation like that where you're twelve thousand feet up and you know you're totally reliant on on god and you're totally reliant on each other really and it's a uh, it's pretty incredible to to kind of watch that and that kind of brings us back of course to the battle to fight now one of the things which we've kind of alluded to here is your book, um, fathered by God is that you mentioned that like the world is at war. Like the, I actually wrote down the, the quote here. It's, it's a paragraph it says, uh, we live in a world at war. We are supposed to fight back. It is apparently a difficult reality to embrace. So as witnessed by the passivity that marks much of modern Christianity, we just want the Christian life to be all about the sweet love of Jesus but that is not what's going on here. You may not like the situation. That only makes it unattractive. It does not make it untrue. So, I mean, I think that just, you know, kind of connecting your story there with what's really kind of going on in the world right now, which of course we've discussed as well, is that there's always battles to fight. There's always these adventures that we, that God is calling us to. And I think it would be a dishonor, a dishonor and a disgrace in God's eyes, if we just kind of push that aside and ignored it just so we could live comfortably. And so we, we could, uh, I guess, go about our day without having to embrace any kind of challenge. And, you know, I think our kids and our wives and our coworkers and, you know, the fellow men at church and fellow women at church, I mean, uh, you know, I think they can definitely see the lack of fruit that a man has whenever they're living a life that they're running away from those types of things. Yep. Yep, Tyler. <clears throat> Preach it, buddy. That's, <laughs> so, that's I got on a little rant there. I didn't mean to do that. So. No, man, that's that's the God honest truth. And and we just learned here in 2020 how quickly mm -hmm. our comfort and our normal 
can be taken away. And, and to be kind and to be uh, fatherly, I need to say, it's likely going to get a little more bumpy before things get better. Uh, you know, you look at the American social scene, you look at the November politics, you know, it's likely going to get a little more bumpy. And, and this is a time that requires level-headed men. There's a, I'm going to, uh, for those of you guys who want to geek out on this, I'm going to recommend um, Rudyard Kipling wrote a poem about yeah, masculinity. You know what I'm going to quote? Is it if... Yep. Yeah, that's a great one. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. So you can post that in the show notes. But oh yeah, um, definitely guys, too. Just just type go Google Kipling, and the poem is, is simply entitled "The Little Word If," and he's just talking about if you can keep your your wits when everybody else around you is losing theirs. You know, we're in a time like that in the world where authentic masculinity is is actually having its hour. I mean, we will be, we will be the men to lead mm -hmm. because the communities need good men and, and need good leadership, just literally down at the neighborhood level. And uh, talk about a battle to fight. You know, this is, this is going to be our hour. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. And another thing I wanted to kind of, to get with you, on was um this uh the whole idea of having a relationship with jesus which in in and of itself can be a whole nother battle just to kind of connect it with what we were talking about because uh, we have our our sinful nature we have our flesh that we have to of course battle with on a on a daily basis and then we we're of course told at church by you know our pastors and by other men and by you know all kinds of I guess the Christian culture, quote unquote, to have a relationship with Jesus. But, you know, for somebody who's like me or for like a lot of men, um, that can be a little difficult because like we're, we're image, like we're, we're drawn by the images of things. Like we're very, uh, I guess visual is what the word I'm looking for. We're very visual as far as, you know, like what we inter want to interact with. So whenever we're, you know, told to have this relationship with Jesus, what does that kind of look like? And how does, how does a guy go about with developing that relationship with Jesus and getting to know him and to getting to, to maintain this, this relationship that he's of course, hopefully been able to, to come across. Yeah, man, I got some great news guys. <clears throat> Jesus is incredible, but he is the most re least religious man you will ever meet. Mm -hmm. He is not a stained glass guy. He's not a pale faced altar boy walking around in a white robe. So let me, let me just help you in a new direction that might open up some doors for your life with him. First off, think about it this way. Jesus is the creator of everything you love. So, you know, if you are one of those uh, waterfowl guys and you love the early morning and you love, you know, being on the water at sunrise, that is a direct gift from the heart of God to your heart. Like that's God. Yeah. And that's how he's loving you. And that's how he is being friends with you. <clears throat> Everything you love. If it's bombing down the hill on a mountain bike, if it's quiet reading uh, in the evening by a fire, that's God. That's his gift to you. So just think of it this way. He is the creator of everything I love. And, and then you start going, whoa, wait a second. Like, he's awesome. You're kidding me. Like, that, like whoa, I, he's, not a, he's not primarily found in church. Most of the stories of Jesus with his guys in the gospels take place outside. Mm -hmm. Very few of them take place indoors. And so like, that'll help you right there. And, and then I want to add another dimension that most men have not experienced. And so this is going to just open up a whole playing field for you is that Jesus is actually very playful. 
he 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 loves being playful with us. He has a very very good sense of humor, and and most guys just kind of go, well, if I'm going to relate to Jesus, I got to close my eyes, bow my head, fold my hands, and be serious. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, hang on. He's the creator of everything you love, and he's also the creator of the things that crack you up. And, and so like to let God be playful with you, let him do things that aren't meant to be serious or lessons that you have to learn. It, it, he's just funny. Uh, like it opens up, those two things will open up such new ways to experience God because his heart is so rich and and vast and wonderful there's just nothing creepy religious about it at all but a lot of guys have to get unplugged from some of those early religious lessons and you know the sunday school pictures and stuff of jesus because it's just not a guy they want to hang out with so just ask yourself this question is jesus the kind of person you would take a road trip with if you want to spend 10 hours in a car with him and, and if the answer is not really, the good news is wrong Jesus. <laughs> right. <laughs> like get rid of him. Like that's I guarantee you, like he's 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 good company. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's one of the great points that you made was that Jesus is the most anti religious person, you know, and we of course in I guess westernized uh Christian culture like we have created all these rules and we've we've done all these traditions over the centuries that have kind of stuck that uh that you know Jesus never really made a comment on like the whole um I don't know I can't really give a good example right now but but basically just the fact that he wasn't uh very religious like he wasn't a guy that you know made you take your sandals off or if he made you um you know right whatever it, whatever it is. And, you know, his feet got right. dirty too. And he was somebody whose hands got dirty. And, um, I was actually reading today as in my part of my study is that in John 21, how he was roasting fish with his guys by the lake, like they went out fishing. And then this was actually after Jesus's resurrection, he comes back and, you know, mention that mentioning that playfulness is that, like he is calling out to him out in the lake and they can't recognize him yet. I'm sure he's got some kind of cloak on or something. And oh, it's early morning. So they can't recognize him. So he's like, well, why don't you try the other side of the boat? And then of course they haul in a whole bunch of fish and they bring it over to the shore. And, you know, they're out there sitting by the lake by a fire eating fish and bread. And it's just like, that's the kind of Jesus that the Bible actually talks about. It's not this, like you were saying, this, this, pale faced, this scrawny looking guy that, you know, is uh, painted in, you know, mm -hmm. 1700, uh, yeah. style yeah. art, you know, it's, it's, it's a guy yeah. that is uh, somebody that we can relate with and, you know, has the uh, side of humanity to him. It really does. So let me, let me tell you a John 21 story from a couple weeks ago. I, I love to fly fish. I was out at a little, mm -hmm. uh, just a ranch pond, uh, that a friend of mine has, and <clears throat> it's got some really big trout in it, but they were not biting. And so um, I finally realized that the time out there wasn't about fishing. It was just about, I just needed some quiet, you know, it'd been one of those weeks and I was pretty fried. And so I actually sat down. Now my fly is still out on the water, but because of the reflection of the late evening light, I couldn't even see where it was. And I just sat down and I just started enjoying the evening and kind of letting the stress go. And I was going to, I was going to reel in. I was starting to reel my fly in and Jesus says, leave it. And I'm like, what? He's like, just leave it out there. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I sat there 1001, 1002, boom, this huge 21 inch rainbow clobbers this fly. <laughs> And pretty soon I'm up on my feet and I am, I'm laughing out loud. And I've been a long time since I had just full on laughed out loud. I am laughing at the joy of it and the playfulness of Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm thinking I'm done. I'm thinking the fishing isn't happening. And he just says, leave it. And then this thing, you know, ends up being like the biggest fish I've caught this year. And 
there was joy and there was playfulness and just the heart of a very real person. Jesus mm -hmm. is a real person. Yeah, 100%. I think that's something that a lot of guys, whenever they kind of going back to what we were talking about before with uh, the trying to have a, a relationship with him is that we forget that, you know, he was God in the flesh. Like he came down here, he's 100% God, 100% man. And, you know, he was a man who, like we were saying, is, is playful. He enjoyed the things that we enjoy. We, he, he enjoyed getting outside. He oftentimes, you know, got away from everybody just to, so he could go out and pray to God. Right. I mean, he was, he was somebody who retreated out into the wilderness. And, you know, if, if that's, I'm, I know people that are listening to this, that's something that they can relate to. Cause that's, that's what, what we do. I mean, we, we get out and we reconnect with God and that's something that, you know, Jesus did himself. And it's, it's a, I think it's at that point is whenever people begin to realize like, you know, this, this Jesus guy, you know, he, he is somebody that I can't, I really can develop a relationship and really can be able to, to get to know more. Yeah. So of course you got a, a, a new book, you know, kind of getting to uh, going a little bit further with, with our relationship with Jesus uh, talking about, you know, how to get your life back. And first of all, before we kind of dive into that, I want to comment on the timing of this book. I think is just uh, of course a God thing, but I know, I know nobody could have predicted COVID and what was going to going to happen. But the fact that this released in, you know, right before everything kind of hit is just uh, absolutely incredible. So you just want to kind of give us a, a synopsis, a quick rundown of, of your most recent book? Yeah, right. It's a pretty wild story because the title is Get Your Life Back. And the subtitle is Everyday Practices for a World Gone Mad. <laughs> and I wrote it. I wrote it last year. <clears throat> it came out in February, right before the pandemic shook the world. And and so everything I was saying in the book was true. And then the pandemic came along and just put a bunch of zeros after it. Like it's, you know, it's to the 10th yeah. power. Right. <clears throat> so the, the idea is this, that the world we live in right now is a perfect storm. And the storm is designed to fry your soul. And, and the storm is the pace of life. The storm is the amount of media that we're required to consume. Mm -hmm. The storm is the overwhelming impact of technology on us, trying to turn us into technology. It, and then the storm is the constant barrage of global news, most of which is bad. And, and what that does all of that comes together to just completely, it's like putting your soul in the Sahara Desert and just leaving it there. Mm -hmm. It just dries you out. It bakes you, it fries you, and it, it turns you into the crisp. And so what I, this happened to me. The book is a personal story. And, and I just, I got to the place where I said, I can't, I can't do this anymore, but I can't leave the world. Like I have a family, I have a job, I have a team. I have, you know, I, as much as I would love to just go live in the mountains, I can't, I can't. I don't, that's not, that's not reality right. for me. I've asked God several times for permission and he said, no. Not yet. <laughs> so, not yet. So, um, so what I began to do, everyday practices for a world gone mad. I began to learn some very simple things that I could do in my everyday life that would help my soul because all of us you know you were using the example i used it earlier as well we, we go to nature to be restored we go out mm -hmm. into the woods to get refreshed but the problem for most of us is that's not a daily you know that's maybe on the weekends maybe but for most of us it's it's not every weekend <clears throat> and you know you, hunting seasons don't last all year and all that so what can we do on a daily basis to help our souls in a world that is continually trying to fry us. So let me give you a couple examples. Um, you know, the obvious one is the cell phone. I realized that the first thing I did every morning was check my phone. I get up, I check my phone, you know, 
what texts came in overnight, what emails, what's the news today, did the world blow up, you know, <clears throat> and, and that is horrible. As soon as you pick up that technology, or maybe it's your pad, or you jump on your laptop or whatever, <clears throat> you are in the matrix, you are already down the hole. So I've learned, um, don't check your phone first thing in the morning, leave it face down, uh, get up, make a cup of coffee, go out on the porch, and just be a human being for 10, 15 minutes, like simple practices like that. And at night, uh, the phones go off, the phones go off at like 8 p.m. in our house. Turn off the technology, close the laptop, be a human being, take a walk, uh, play a game, go for a bike ride, do some things that refresh your soul. So you see what I'm describing is it's a whole book of very simple things that a real person can do in a real life without having to go monastic, you know, or, or flee from society. It, like we got to do some things that get us out of the crazy. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And that's, that's definitely, um, definitely true. And I, I've noticed it in myself and I can see it in other people that are constantly, you know, have a, some type of screen in front of their face. And it just, it really, I don't know, it, it does something to your soul. It's like, like you said, it's putting it out into the Sahara desert. It just drives you out. So of course, if we, if we want a solution or if we're looking for a solution, we have to know what the problem is first. So what are some kind of, I guess, symptoms that people can look for in themselves, maybe look for in a spouse, look for in a friend, maybe your kids, uh, you know, coworkers, what are some symptoms of this, I guess, <clears throat> disconnect from being a human being? <laughs> what, are, yeah. what are some symptoms that people may experience as a result yeah. of that? <clears throat> yeah. Well, the problem now, Tyler, is now we've got the pandemic. And so the pandemic has traumatized the world. Mm -hmm. um, and and it, has a, it has a whole lot to do with um, when you keep people in a state of constant uncertainty. You know, what's the economy going to do? What, what are the politicians going to do? Well, uh, you know, what's my job going to do? Okay, what are the new restrictions in my county or in my state or whatever? Just that constant. Even if you think, you know, the whole thing's hooey. The, the fact is, if you are kept in a constant state of uncertainty, that's what they do to people in concentration camps. Yeah. That, that, is, that is how you break down prisoners of war. And so I'm... I'm serious, folks. Like, this is a real deal. This thing is, is, is designed to fry your humanity. So what are the symptoms? Oh, that's easy. Uh, you have less tolerance for people. Uh, you, you get pissed easier. You, you notice that you are um, comfort eating. Your little addictions now, you're, you know, you're drinking too much, you're eating too much, you're spending way too much time on Netflix. Uh, and, and you notice that your attention span is really short. Like you just can't pay attention to things anymore. You can, it's hard to focus. You feel kind of foggy. You're easily irritated. Um, and, and you don't have a regular practice of things that bring you life. Like there were things that you used to do that bring you life and you don't, you don't do them anymore. Uh, and so what I'm recommending, you know, again, the book will be really helpful if you want to get, get your life back. It'll walk you through this. But you just take up a few practices that you can do every day. And for me, it's my, it's my walk in the morning. Like, I, I can get that in. And we live near a green space. I don't, I don't live in the ideal Colorado dream. I live in the normal suburbs. But there's a green space near us, <clears throat> and I can get there. And I get up really early, you know, before the sunrise, because it's what fits into my day. Mm -hmm. And I go, I need, I need my walk. I need it. I need it. And it's, you can get into some woods. You can get into some space there. And I walk the dogs and it's a hike. And I, I pray. That's where, that's where I pray my morning prayers. And I can do that. That's doable. That fits in a normal day. And then for me in the evening, um, sitting on my porch and listening just listening to the crickets, listening to the birds, just sitting on the porch, doing nothing. So the soul needs to do nothing. It's, it's the whole scriptural idea of Sabbath. The, yeah. the Hebrew word for Sabbath, Shabbat, 
literally means stop. It doesn't mean rest. It means stop. The literal translation is cease. And, and the human soul is designed to just have some room every day where you're just not doing anything. Don't, don't answer email. Don't figure out tomorrow's list. Don't, you know, read the news. Like, get off technology. I just, just a couple things each day that I can do. And, and everybody's got their own thing. It's take a run. It's take a bike ride. It's listen to music. It, you know, it's reading scripture. It's whatever. But you got you got to start doing some things in this crazy, crazy moment that nourish and heal your soul. And then, of course, you know, you and I would say, "Get in the woods." <laughs> of course, Get in right the woods now. As often as you, can, you know. <laughs> but but the, the reality is, you know, most working guys, like you, you can't get there every day. And so find a couple things you can do that, that give, that nourish your soul, heal your soul every day, and then get out of the things that make you crazy. So get off talk radio, guys. Like, are you kidding me? It's just going to, you're, you're, you're going to be so wound up and angry. You need the news, but get in and get the news and get out like five minutes of news a day. That's it. You don't need more. And, and, and the things that really fry you do as much as you can to get out of it. Uh, because what we need right now is, is to be resilient. What's happening to most people is they are totally dried out. Yeah, 100%. I can definitely agree. And whenever I first started looking at your new book, get your life back. Um, I noticed a lot of those types of things in myself. Like I was, you know, constantly looking at my phone, especially whenever everything was just kind of starting to play out. Cause you're wanting to know like, what's the latest news? I mean, what's going on yeah. now? Like what's changing today? Yeah. And you know, you're, you're constantly bombarded with all this information from outside sources and it just gets to a point to where it just overwhelms you. And it, it literally drains you. Like you could sit there and look at, at the TV, look at your computer and the phone all day. And it makes the day go by so much faster. And it feels like you wasted the whole day. But, you know, here lately, especially, you know, of course, with hunting season and uh, kind of as hunting season was approaching and then getting out and fishing and everything, I've made a real conscious effort to kind of take some of those practices that you mentioned in your book and apply them to myself and just put the phone down. Like have a time where you are solely connecting with yourself you're solely connecting with your spouse if you're married, your kids. I have a time where you're face-to-face -face with these people and not face-to-face -face with your phone because, I mean, <clears throat> at the at the end of the day, they're going to be the ones that are going to kind of feel, especially your loved ones around you, those immediate, immediate people in your household. <clears throat> those are going to be people that are going to fill you back up. You know, of course, God, your relationship with God will as well, but fill you back up because I promise you, no matter how many likes you get on Instagram or Facebook, it's not going to have the same kind of impact that the love of your family is going to have. And being able to connect with that and slowing down, getting your life back is just something that is, is imperative for a lot of people right now, just because, I mean, so many people have lost their life and they don't even, don't even realize it, yeah. you know, quote unquote, lost their life and yeah. they don't even realize it's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a real, real simple way to say it. Choose the real over yeah the artificial everywhere you can. So, you know, make your own dinners. Don't get takeout. Choose real people, not people online. You know, choose to get out in nature instead of screen time. Just everywhere you possibly can. Dig a hole. Chop a tree down. Like, choose the real. Because the real is where God is. And the artificial is where the world is. Very true. Very true. So that's that's incredible. So, John, I appreciate you being on the Rice Kill Eat podcast, man. This was absolutely incredible. I'm so glad we were able to get this worked out. And, you know, like I said, you're one of my all-time favorite authors. So it's certainly a pleasure and an honor to to have you on the Rice Kill Eat podcast. So where can people, where can they check out your work? Where can they check out you, connect with you and your team, the Wild at Heart team? Where can they connect with all that? Yeah, thanks, Tyler. I, I've, I've loved this. We could have gone on for two hours. I know. I wish we could. Uh, <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, so let's do it again sometime. But yeah, meanwhile, uh, wildatheart.org. Wildatheart.org is, is where we are. And you can find our podcast and our events and some of the online videos we have and stuff like that.
All right. I'll make sure I have links for all the information down there. Um, so again, John, I appreciate you being on the Rise Elite podcast. This was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Welcome, Tyler. Talk to you next time. All right, there we go, guys. So that was my conversation with John Eldridge. Thank you all so much for taking some time to listen to that conversation today. I know that you guys enjoyed that. If you like this podcast, then I know that this was something that connected with you on a much deeper level. Uh, I want to challenge you guys to check out some of John's writing. If you haven't already, a lot of his books have been helpful for me just to kind of view things from his perspective and to take a deep dive into you know our role as as men as husbands as fathers in this life that god has given us so check out john's writings uh if you haven't already go ahead and subscribe to this podcast whatever platform you're listening on whether it be apple google spotify youtube whatever it is iHeartRadio. go ahead and click that subscribe button because i'm actually in the middle right now of a very busy week for the Rise Elite podcast where I'm doing multiple interviews this week with some incredible people from all across the country. And I know you guys are going to enjoy the future content that is going to come from the Rise Elite podcast. So go ahead and click that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of those episodes. Last thing real quick, if you guys got any value from today's episode, which I'm sure you did, then I want to ask that you guys leave a positive rating and review on the podcast platform that you're listening on. So in order to be able to climb the rankings, podcast platforms, they will use, I'm sure, different calculations and all kinds of things that will take the ratings and reviews, especially the positive ratings and reviews, and use those to kind of categorize and rank podcasts based on their popularity and their success and that kind of thing. So with any positive rating and review that you can leave today for the Rise Gilead podcast, that would be greatly appreciated. I know you guys enjoyed today's episode and my conversation with John Eldridge. Be sure to click that subscribe button and I will see you guys next week.